Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, 2-1-1 to win it. McDavid in for the left-hand side. Dry subtle waits. There's the center pass. What timer score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The games will count in the standings in the NHL less than a week from now. The Eskimos enter the stretch drive of their season on Saturday. Exciting times. We have you covered here on 630 Ched, the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. I want to remind you, Saturday night, the Oilers close out the preseason in Vancouver. 630 for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. The Eskimos hosting Winnipeg. It'll be on Kiss and Country 103.9. 630 for the countdown to kickoff. Game starts at 730. The Eskimos trying to snap a five-game losing streak. You'll hear from receiver Darius Bowman coming up later. And... Possibly the most dangerous weapon in the Canadian Football League, Bombers running back Andrew Harris. Plenty of Oilers discussion today as well. Some interesting comments from Todd McClellan after practice today at the community rink. We're going to get to those right away. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, if you would like to send me a text message, 6.30, And I just got one in from one of the loyal listeners to the show. Jeremy from Glendon. Jeremy, I am going to read that, but I want to get through a couple Todd McClellan comments first. You can also call 780-496-0063. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com and follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D, Wilkins like Dominique. And we all know how to spell that. Not Lenny, Dominique. Dominique, a slightly better dunker than me. Like if we were both in the same slam dunk competition... He could get nines and tens, and I could probably... Do you, do you actually have to dunk to get a score, Patrick Bauer? Do we know? Like, what if I did it there, did, did, and I did a really nice layup, and I just couldn't, but the ball went in the hoop. Could I at least get a one, or do you actually have to dunk? I, I think they might give you partial points just for trying a complicated move. Possibly, depending on how complicated yeah, it I, is. I, a layup think, is like a fundamental, though. So. I think, but I think if I went in and went behind the back a couple times and, and under the leg and then didn't quite elevate enough to dunk, maybe I could get her two or a three? Well, you know like, what they okay, say. Okay, Neek's getting the nines and tens. As we, used, you know, we used to call him Neek growing up in Evansburg. We used to play on the, you know, the, the outdoor court there behind Grand Trunk High School. Are you familiar with the expression, you can't polish a turd? <laughs> That's, that's how I feel about your class. That's how you layup. feel about my Duncan game. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, how did I get on this topic? I don't know. Maybe some, we should try to book Dominique Wilkins as a sh- uh, for a guest. Like, what do we got to lose? 
We should I, ask the Atlanta Hawks Alumni Association. Tell you what I'll do. If you do it, I'll get you a hoop for the back lot. You can have your own slam dunk contest. Well, if we got him in person, that'd be even better. <laughs> that, so. that would be even better. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, here's our question on the text line tonight that we'll weave in and out throughout the show. Can you dunk or have you ever dunked a basketball? We must have some people of height or athletic ability listening to the show. Even if you did it once, and, and it has to be on a 10-foot hoop. It has to be on a regulation hoop. It cannot be on the 7-foot Fisher-Price Nerf hoop, you know, that you could just stand on your tippy toes and dunk. Maybe in high school you dunked. Maybe you were a, a, a decent player. Maybe we got some, uh, I don't know. People that played for the Edmonton Energy listening. Can you dunk? Did you ever dunk? How did it feel? Even if you did it only once. You can text 630-630. So, the Oilers practice today at the community rink. Pretty uh, thorough uh, 4-0 win over Carolina last night. Really good outing by Laurent Brassois, who's going to be the Oilers' backup goaltender this season. 13 saves in the second period alone. 30 on the night. McDavid, two goals. Cassian got a goal. Lucic scored. Nice power play setup from Dreisaitl and McDavid. Carolina did outplay the Oilers in the second period, but Brassois held the fort. Pretty good game overall, though, I think, for Edmonton, especially in periods one and three. So we go to practice this morning at the community rink, and lo and behold, Leon Dreisaitl is back on Connor McDavid's right side with Patrick Maroon on the left wing. Of course, that was uh, one of the best lines in the NHL last season. McDavid and Leon, the highest-scoring duo in the entire National Hockey League. Then you had Nugent Hopkins centering Lucic and Yamamoto. So Yamamoto remains in the top six. Strom, Jokic, and Kajula was a line. Latestu, Kara, and Cassian. They're pretty much locked in as the fourth line, barring major injuries. And then kind of rotating on the fifth line, you had Pakarin and Chris Kelly, who remains on a PTO. Anton Slepeshev and Yessi Pugliarvi, no longer in the top six like he was in Winnipeg. So uh, the shuffling uh, continues. As they have said, and by they I mean Todd McClellan and Peter Shirelli, they see Leon Dreisaitl as a center, and I, and I think they would prefer him to be a center long-term and probably short-term. I, I think they would like to have McDavid and Dreisaitl on different lines, preferably. They weren't today. That doesn't mean that they're going to be on the same line tomorrow. It doesn't mean they're going to play on the same line Saturday in Vancouver, though, you know, Todd McClellan did say this about shuffling the lines around. You know, a fair amount of it is trying to figure out who's going to blend and, and mesh with um, line mates. And uh, obviously we've talked about the right wing position since the beginning of training camp. We've moved players around and um, we've got seven or eight games in, in exhibition season to, to do that. And the big question will be, you know, Leon's on the wing today with Connor. Well, we know we can go to that. I'm comfortable with that. I'm not, uh, or we aren't looking uh, directly at what they can produce if we use them in, in Vancouver on the weekend, we're looking at more at the other three lines. What can they get done and how do they, uh, how do they react to each other? And, um, you know, and then we'll make decisions from there. We have to be flexible. We have to be able to be um, uh, reactive to good games, bad games, uh, good individual performances, bad performances, um, and we will be. And players have to be prepared to play with, with different line mates at any given moment. So we, we know this about Todd McClellan. He will change the lines. I, I know from doing the overtime open line show after games with Rob Brown, some of you object to it. Some of you like it. 
certainly whenever the Oilers lose, there's more discussion about should have he done it, should have he done it sooner, should have it been, been this combination. But McClellan's attitude is you, you better be effective. And if you're not effective early in the game as a coach, what can he do? Well, he can put you with different players, maybe somebody else who isn't being effective that night, and, and you can do something together. Because I think it's insane if you just watch uh, a group of three guys go out there and get nothing done. Um, you have to help them. You've got to do some uh, uh, some shuffling. It often sends messages to the team. It sends messages to the individuals. So, um, you know, I'm far from uh, let's keep them together for the next three weeks and see what they can do. Because if it's not working for three weeks, uh, you never get that time back. And you're done. Your season's over. So, uh uh, often I don't even let it go for three periods. If you're not performing, if you're not awake and you're not contributing, uh, we begin to shuffle things around and we look for a team response and then an individual response. All right, so I think that's a good summary from McClellan on how he thinks, why, and when he chooses to change lines. Jeremy from Glendon texting 63630. He says, hey, Reed, I like McClellan's line blender model uh, with the right combo of players. I didn't like it the first year of his head coaching job, but now with guys like Dreisaitl, Kajula, and Strom, we can give teams three or four different looks up front. It makes the Oilers more than a one- or two-dimensional team. I'm excited to see how well Yamamoto, Puglia-Yarvi, and Strom can play when all three are guaranteed to be playing away from 97 and 29. It'll separate the good players from the piggybackers. Any chance they try Lucic with McDavid again? And Jeremy also adds, glad to see Aaron Grimes back with the Eskimos. I'll take Eskimos by seven on Saturday. That is Jeremy from Glendon texting in. Well, I hope you're right about the Eskimos, and we'll have some uh, some storylines for them later on on the show. Here, Here's the thing for the Oilers, and, and I really think... You know, I, I hope I hope I'm not being overconfident. But look, if you're asking me to fill out the 16 teams that'll make the playoffs, obviously I would put the Oilers on that list, given how they did last year. If they're going to become a team that finishes in the top four or five in the overall standings, maybe has home ice advantage for the first three rounds of the playoffs, you know, maybe can get the best record in the West, maybe can be a Stanley Cup favorite. For that to actually happen, they'll have to have somebody emerge as a complimentary scorer to McDavid and Dreisaitl beyond what happened last year. Right, okay, so McDavid, you know, Eberle, who's now gone, obviously, and, and Lucic get, get their 50-some points great they're they're going to have to have someone push even harder and it's going to have to happen on a line that those guys aren't on or or it's going to have to be Dreisaitl's winger perhaps if he's not on McDavid's line so I think that's what we're talking about now we're not talking about now the team trying to go from 28th to 20th we're, we're talking about them from going to 8th and losing in the second round to wherever you finish in the overall standings, but you really have that complementary force. And you have two excellent forwards, and then you maybe have two or three very good forwards. So can someone grab that this year, whether it's going to be Nuge, Strom, Kajula, Yamamoto, Lucic? I mean, I'll kind of leave Maroon out of the mix because he didn't get uh, as many points as some guys, but his 27 goals were obviously extremely valuable. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. I'll get to some of your jokes about slam dunking when we get back and a little bit more from Todd McClellan. Excellent comment about playing with McDavid when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Mark Letestu coming off a great season for your Oilers. Can he do it again? Looks like he's going to be on that number one power play again, so he'll have a chance to fire away. It is 621. 
Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. Thursday night football about to kick off at Lambeau. Packers hosting the Bears. NHL action this evening. Obviously, preseason games in the third. Panthers up 4-1 on the Lightning. Second period, Flyers leading Boston 3-zip. After one, no score between the Hawks and the Wings. In the first period, it's 1-1 between the Jackets and the Predators. The Wild and the Blues are scoreless early. Four games still to come tonight, including the Flames taking on the Canucks. Blue Jays are playing out the string, of course. Baseball tonight, Astros leading the Red Sox 5-2. That one is in the top of the third. Red Sox trying to nail down the division. You can text 630-630. So we started talking about dunking a basketball earlier, which uh, I have never done, again, on a regulation hoop. I think at uh, Evansview Elementary they had six or seven-foot hoops. Like uh, atrociously, not atrocious isn't the right word, extremely, like almost comically small hoops at one end of the school. It's so like it, me and so when we got older, because I think the grade, like the, I can't remember. Maybe when we were in junior high, we'd go there at night when there were no kids there and we'd dunk on these little hoops to see what it felt like. <laughs> probably probably bent them and broke them. Uh, anyway, uh, GC says, I'm five foot eight and I could dunk like crazy in high school basketball practice. Mind you, we might have been using a mini trampoline. <laughs> Ken says, Reed, I dunked just once. The trick was feeding the ball from my left hand low to my right hand above the rim. It was in the Nate Gymnasium. I was 6 feet and 215 pounds. I was into bodybuilding and weightlifting at the time. It was 1986. Feels like a lifetime ago. That is from Ken. Well... I would imagine that's a problem too, right? The the transfer of the ball or holding onto the ball, because even if you if you're a smaller person who can jump, your hand might not be big enough to palm the ball, right? So it might slide out when you're when you're jumping. CW says I'm six foot six. I was able to dunk throughout my teens and early twenties. I'm now in my mid thirties. I've filled out. He put in quotation marks. I couldn't jump over a ball for pizza and beer, largely because of pizza and beer. That's why I can't dunk, too. (laughs) That is from CW. Uh, Big D says uh, that uh, he has dunked. There is no feeling like it because so many people can't do it. It's awesome. Says he's six foot four. And this texter says, I'm six foot one. I could dunk back in high school. I would have to jump up, palm the ball in one hand, grab the hoop, lift myself up, and slam it in. That's a pretty good uh, show of strength there. Fraz says, I'm six foot six. My first dunk was in grade 10 in 1990. My last dunk was about five years ago. That's from Fraz, who I. So, again, maybe that's uh, similar to the uh, beer and pizza problem. The, the, I, so, I don't know if the last dunk was five years ago because he lost his hops or because he's been consuming too many hops. <laughs> Oh, that was gold. What are the other again? Every once a a month, I come up with a good one. (laughs) There we go. Mark it on the wall. Uh, All right. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. In the next half hour, we have Winnipeg Blue Bombers running back Andrew Harris on the show, one of the best players in the Canadian Football League. So after last night's Oilers game, Todd McClellan said maybe not quite as good a game for Yamamoto. He was playing with McDavid, maybe a little too deferential, and he followed up on that today after practice. When you've got an 18-year-old that just left uh, junior hockey and he's doing everything he can to... uh, to scramble and scrap to make this team, and he's playing with, uh, you know, the Hart Trophy winner. Uh, I know if it was me, I'd be looking at him all the time. Here, take this thing, and 
and go with it. Um, you know, but that can't be the case. Uh, Yamo has a tremendous toolbox himself, and in fact, he can probably create some space for uh, for Connor if he's doing his thing. And uh, that's just part of the learning curve. He'll be fine, and um, you know, he'll uh, he'll learn to deal with that just like Leon did, and everybody else. All right, that is Todd McClellan. So that's an interesting problem to have, right? You got the the one of the best players in the game. I'll try to be respectful to other markets and not just call them the best every time. Uh, so you don't want you don't want to force them the puck. I think you still got to make your play the best play you can make, and that might make it better for McDavid as as you go on the attack. That is kind of something to watch for, though. Interesting little side story, I guess, about having such an incredible player on the roster. Uh, great minds think alike on the text line. D says the only thing I've ever been able to dunk is a donut, and Namudi says the only thing I can dunk is chicken nuggets in my barbecue sauce. Well, a form of dunking, I guess. So I get half points, perhaps. <laughs> Same as a layup, yeah. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three eight. You can text six thirty six thirty. A little more from McClellan and a guy who is difficult, difficult to stop. Andrew Harris from the Blue Bombers. All coming up. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Wow, track three off the razor's edge. <laughs> no, your musical knowledge never fails to impress me. Well, it depends on the era. <laughs> and the genre, something so, stuck with me. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, ask me about a popular song from the last three years. I couldn't name very many. You don't know Britney Spears? Is she still popular? I have no idea. Lady Gaga is more popular, isn't she? Yeah. Is it Nickelback tonight? It is Nickelback so, and Cheap Trick. So it was, I thought it was Emerson Drive. Or That's Cheap Trick there as well. Somebody else was saying too, but no, it I'm could be sure a, It could trick. be a, th- a, three, a three-headed billing. Could be. What do you call that? A triple bill, I guess? Triple, triple header? <laughs> And it was Coldplay the last two nights? Yeah, it was. Did someone open for them? I don't think so. Not that I know of. Nobody I've heard of anyways. Nobody big enough to put on the marquee. I've never been that big in a Coldplay. I kind of like, what What are they? What's their genre? It's To me, it's not rock. It's not really pop. It's alt-rock I, leaning more towards cool rock. I, I guess that's a good thing to be very original. Yeah. I guess they've just never struck a chord with me. Isn't their lead singer married to uh, Gwyneth Paltrow? Or did not that anymore. End? I think that's over. Probably for the best. Another, another failed celebrity marriage. She's insufferable. I'm with him. <laughs> she's insufferable. You don't know that. Doesn't she have some website where she's always talking about health and eating like super health yeah, foods? And the reviews on the website are that she doesn't she's know a, what she's, she's talking a phony. about. Yeah. She's come out and said that, yeah, I don't actually review everything that goes on the website. I just put my name on it because I'm a big celebrity. Buy this, please. So... Gwyneth Paltrow. Not like you and us, true to our roots, Reed. No, our websites are 100% accurate. <laughs> uh, ben says, uh, texting 630-630, I could dunk a volleyball in high school during practice, but never a real basketball, so I thought if I had extra adrenaline during a game, I could dunk a basketball. I had an opportunity on a breakaway during a game and jammed the ball against the rim. I felt terribly and never tried again. Ben? I have a feeling like Ben has never really shared that with anybody. So thanks for opening up on Inside Sports. I feel for the guy. I but do. That's f- a great I do story. feel for the guy, especially. I, I, I'm. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, like that's in high school. Yeah. You feel like I'm going to be the kid that dunked in a game, and then you don't. 
So that that would be I, I feel for him. I you know what I give him props for trying though, right? Takes a lot of courage. D- does take a lot of guts to try it, not knowing that you could. Not being totally sure that he could do it, I guess. The way the story was coming off, coming out there too, I thought, oh boy, he did it. Nope, it was a triumphant nope. story, and then it's a tragic <laughs> the rim, story. And then yes. he fell, and then he never tried again. <laughs> well, Ben, thanks for texting that in to six thirty six thirty. Our open line is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Reminder: Saturday night, six thirty p.m. on six thirty. Chet is the face-off show. The Oilers' final preseason game against the Canucks will start at eight. Now. Chorus stations here in Edmonton. We have the Eskimos games as well. So we got Eskimos Bombers on Kiss and Country 103.9 because we bought both games at the same time. So this is awesome. You can flip back and forth. Uh, so it'll be 6.30 for the countdown to kick off and the game at 7.30. Eskimos home to the Bombers. You'll hear from a Darius Bowman later on and Andrew Harris, Bombers running back, is coming up as well. So the Oilers skated today. If you miss those line combinations, and I was certainly interested in them, McDavid was between Maroon and Dreisaitl. Great line last year. Nugent Hopkins centered Lucic and Yamamoto. Strom was with Jokinen and Kajula, and then you had Latestu, Kara, and Cassian together rotating. Slepeshev, who's injured, Puyo Yarvi, Kelly, and Packer. In a, oh, I forgot to mention Brad Malone has been assigned to, uh, to, or I guess he's been put on waivers for the purpose of assignment to Bakersfield. I think we saw that coming. So Puyo Yarvi gets a look in the top six yesterday. Now he's back down to the fifth line. Um, I don't know if Todd's going to stick with these for the start of the game in Vancouver. If he does stick with them for the start of the game, I doubt they finish the game that way because, as you heard in the clips in the first half hour, he wants to see what other people do. He knows what McDavid, Leon, and Maroon can do together. I think he's looking for someone else to come up and seize the opportunity or take control of a line. Looking at the Oilers' stats from last year, you had McDavid 100 points, Dreisaitl 77, both outstanding. Both have now committed to the Oilers long term. They were both in the top 10 in scoring. Eberle had 20 goals, 51 points. He is gone. Who's going to get those 20 goals? Can it be Strom? Can uh, Kajula play a full season and bump up from the 7 he had in 60? Nugent Hopkins had 18. Could he top 20? Bunch of question marks for who's going to be the Oilers' I don't want to say top secondary. I guess in that bunch of secondary scoring. Lucic was very good on the power play. Can he be a little better five on five? I, I Look, I think Yamamoto is going to start the season here. I think he plays nine games or fewer and gets sent back to Spokane. The Oilers' right side, as, as here's the thing. For me, there were, there were two question marks going into the season that were probably more pronounced. And you, every, every team, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the cup last year. They have question marks. Sure, the Oilers have some like, will Talbot do it again? Will Maroon do it again? Will Latesto do it again? All fair, but I would put those as smaller question marks than these two. The the right wing and the defense without Sekera, especially. You know, will Benning nurse someone like that step up? Who's your six, seven, eight guy? Though that's a, a depth role, not as vital as, as what's happening in the top four. So then, and the right side... I mean, look, the fact that Yamamoto is still here and that, and that Leon has, is now on right wing today is a clear indication, if we, if we didn't already know it, that, that no one has grabbed that primary slot on the right side. Because they've now, at least for today, defaulted to that big line from last year. And if you heard all the comments in the summer, 
I think the preference is, is that Dreisaitl doesn't play the right side a lot, that he plays center. And, and you know what? Wednesday against Calgary, maybe he won't. Maybe someone's going to seize that opportunity. But the fact that Yamamoto is still here and playing top six and that Leon Dreisaitl is your first-line right wing, I think shows that, you know, Strom or Kajula haven't really, or and Puglia-Yarvi haven't really seized that opportunity. Because remember, Kajula was up there on the second line, and Strom was up there on the first line. So I, I, I think going into the preseason, if, if you read the way the lines were aligned at the beginning of the preseason, and the comments made specifically by McClellan and Shirelli in the summer, I don't think this was plan A or even plan B to have Yamamoto and Dreisaitl as your top two right-wingers going into the final preseason game. Now, again, as we like to say, it's just preseason, but there's only one game left, and they've sort of reverted back to this. So hopefully there are some other forwards here that seize some opportunities as we move along throughout the season. That'll definitely be something to watch. Uh, McClellan made that comment about Yamamoto and other players not deferring to McDavid, whether they're on a line with him or not. He's made the point that other players need to go on the ice and feel like, I'm a good offensive player. I can drive. I don't have to just go out there and check or play defense. I can get points. I can make plays. He said that about Nugent Hopkins a couple of weeks ago. So I, so I said to Todd, how, do you feel Nugent's been doing that? Well, he's had good games when he's played. You know, we, the Carolina game here at home was a was an egg we all laid nobody played well uh, but other than that the games that uh, that Ryan's been in he's uh, he's been strong he's been strong two-way um, he's created offense he's penalty killed um, I like his game right now it just got to transfer over into the regular season and you know if you start well if you get off to a, a two or three game sprint and, and you feel good about yourself uh, that can set you up for a good year so those will be important games for him all right, so generally positive reviews from McClellan on Nugent Hopkins, who's who's going to be a highly scrutinized player this season because of the contract, because he's kind of the last remaining guy from the previous era of the guys associated with one of the previous rebuilds. You, you probably saw some of the interviews Peter Shirelli did with Bob McKenzie and John Shannon when, when he was sitting down with people in Penticton, and Shirelli said with Nuge that he understands the point production didn't match the salary. But that doesn't mean that he's not a valuable player, and that that doesn't mean there's not a, the, it doesn't mean there's not an opportunity for Nugent Hopkins. And maybe you know today he was still the second line center. Maybe he's one of the guys that can step up and grab it. McClellan was also asked to comment on just the general state of the defense today, and, and who's going to seize up and grab an opportunity there as well with Sekiro. First of all, the big hole that has been created is Sakara's injury. He uh, he played such a big role in our team. Power play penalty kill, 20 minutes a night. The ability to defend and a, a settle down factor, I guess, if you will, on the blue line. So that creates a big hole. And what it does is it creates um, pressure situations for some of our younger players that may not be uh, or may not have experienced it. I'm thinking Darnell and, and Matty Benning. And uh, he has to, those players have to take a little bit more on a few more minutes, uh, we put them in situations, power play maybe a little bit now, that uh, they aren't normally in. And that's okay, they're allowed to grow their game, we're here to help them. Um, but overall as a group, we've got to be quick at moving pucks, we've got to get them into our forwards' hands. We think our forwards have some pace and some speed. Uh, so if they're able to retrieve pucks, get it into the forwards' hands and then support, 
uh, we'll be happy with our group. All right, so Todd McClellan, you can get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. We'll continue with the hockey talk as we move along tonight. We're going to take a timeout and then bring in one of the, well, not one of, the hardest guy to tackle, I think, anyway, in the Canadian Football League. He has been outstanding this season. Is he the league's most outstanding player? Uh, He might have my vote. Maybe I'll ask him who he would vote for. Andrew Harris from the Blue Bombers when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. So we were asking earlier in the show, have you ever dunked a basketball? Trucker Dave says, look, I didn't do it on an official hoop, but when I was growing up in Spruce Grove, we had the basketball net over the big garage door. My brother and I set up a ramp on the driveway. We would spend days trying to outdo each other in dunking contests. I have photographic evidence somewhere. Good memories. Thanks for shaking that one loose. That is from Trucker Dave. See, imagine those those driveway hoops. No, I, I did not have a driveway hoop. Uh, which was fine. I'm not. I don't wish I had one, but I, but I'm just. I'm guessing, probably of varying heights. I mean, I imagine some moms or dads were out there like, no, it's got to be ten feet, and others were probably like, just throw the hoop up there above the door. So some kids were probably shooting on an eight foot hoop. Some were probably shooting on a twelve foot hoop. But then they got to the school gym and they were like, man, I don't have to throw the ball as hard. But yeah, the the driveways would be sloped, right? So it'd be a kind of an uphill shot anyway. Anyway, you can text 630, 630. It is 6.50. This gentleman, with a third of the CFL season to go, has 739 yards rushing, 637 yards receiving. I consider him the best all-around weapon in the league. Blue Bombers running back Andrew Harris. Andrew, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I I don't mean this from a phone perspective, but from a football perspective. You're a hard man to track down. No no one's tackling you this year, are they? (laughs) It seems like it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, to bet to the the, the guys that uh, block in front of me and, and, you know, just having that mindset of, you know, trying trying to get extra yards every chance you can. You know, I've been watching you for a few years with the Lions and now the Bombers, and you are hard to bring down. It, it seems to me sometimes you do it with power, sometimes you do it with shiftiness. Uh, where does your ability of being so hard to take down come from? I mean, did you always have that from a kid? Did you have to learn it? What can you tell me about that? I mean, uh, I had a hockey background, so, I mean, skating lots, getting that uh, lower center of gravity, building that base up from a young age was, was definitely, a, definitely a key factor. But, I mean, there's lots of strong guys and big guys out there. It's, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about heart and, 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 and willingness to, to wanting to stay up and, and get extra yards. I mean, uh, there's lots of guys that are capable of doing it, and, I mean, it just, just comes down to the to will to will and want to do it. So, um, I mean, for me, Anytime I get, a, get an opportunity to get the ball in my hands uh, and get an opportunity to try to break a tackle, I mean, that's definitely what I'm, what I'm trying to do every time. What position were you in hockey? I played center. And when did you pick football and have to hang the skates up? Uh, it, was, it was probably my grade 11, um, just getting starting to get offers from WHL teams and GA teams and stuff, and I had to kind of pick between which what I wanted to do, and uh, I stuck with football. Okay, well, it's turned out pretty good for you. I, I got to ask you yeah. about your season this year. Uh, you you have a chance to get uh, both a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving, which doesn't happen very often. Is that a specific goal for you? For you, do you set stats goals, or how do you look at that? 
Uh, well, in the past, I've had goals. I've never really talked about them this year. Uh, when I first met my, my new running back coach, he was really, really goal-orientated, and uh, he asked me what I wanted to accomplish this year and, and, and to do. And uh, that was one of the things I set out. And I said I wanted to do was, was to, to get a thousand, a thousand. And, and I mean, it's uh, it, it's a crazy goal to to try to uh, to attain. But for me, um, I just felt like the way the way our offense blossomed last year and and how Lapalise was able to kind of mix me in the past, um, that I thought it was achievable. And you know, to be on pace for it or, or being close to on pace for it, I mean, it just uh, again comes down to the trust and offensive coordinator, quarterback to give me those passes. And uh, you know, just just being good with the checkdowns, and and then obviously you know the five guys in front of me that block and, and do a good job and, and help me get in the rushing yards. So um, there's, there's a bunch of different facts, factors that go into that. But for me, the biggest thing is just keeping on this uh, the streak, keeping it, keeping accumulating wins, and, and getting ourselves in the best situation for the playoffs. Andrew Harris joining us on Inside Sports, running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're in Edmonton to play the Eskimos Saturday. You mentioned Coach Mike O'Shea. You know, it's been an interesting journey for him in Winnipeg, Andrew. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, he wasn't very popular. Um, I, I imagine he has much more much more of the support of the fan base now because you guys are having an excellent season. He's a former player, uh, you know, not that long ago. He's not that far removed from his playing days. What is he like to play for, and how, what do you say about his personality and character to maybe ride out a couple of tough years and now be enjoying a couple of pretty good seasons? Well, from from his standpoint, again, you know, on the head, he's not far removed from the game, and that's very important in, into having a coach that understands what the players' needs are, um, you know, how they how they deal with the day to day stuff. And I mean, the game changes so much year to year. So to have a have a coach that uh, understands and, and and gets what we're going through is, is definitely a big uh, and a key factor. I mean, throughout um, so our day to day stuff, you know, there, there's so, certain coaches that are stuck in their ways. That you know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go hard this practice, or oh, we're gonna do this. But he, he can actually feel and see how the guys are feeling, and he also asks and relays a lot of information that we're we're giving to him, and and, and so our day to day stuff. So that's really important. But the biggest thing is that, I mean, you know, after games he'll come in, and there's a certain energy that he has, there's a certain way he does things, and I mean, he, he's our coach, but it's almost like he's playing with us at sometimes. And I mean, when you when you got a guy like that, and across the board with our team, the, the way our trust level is, and our communication is, and the brotherhood that we have, I really feel that uh, you know it, it's in the right direction of building a, a championship caliber team, and um, and he's a he's a championship caliber coach. Andrew, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You're having a great season. We talked about the stats. Are you the MOP of the league? If you had a vote, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there at all. But uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just again. I'm just trying to put my, my my team in the best situation to get the playoffs. And uh, any accolades that come along with that, you know, so be it. I'll be I'll be definitely honored uh, if I get the nod for that or uh, whatever it may be. But for me, it's again, it's just uh, it's getting our team in the playoffs and uh, getting getting them the, the best situation to to go win a great cup. Okay, hey, I had to try, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. On, on a bit, bit a bit a bit of a storytelling note here. What's the hardest you've ever been hit? Something stand out? Uh, hardest I've ever been hit. I'm trying to think about who it would be. There was a hit. I took a hit last year from Bear Woods, actually, uh, on an outside zone play. Uh, I thought he was blocked. I went to go cut back, and he, he hit me in the side of the head. Or the, the, yeah, the side, the side of my – basically, ear hold me. And, uh, I mean, I've never, I've never had a concussion, knock on wood, but that's probably the closest thing I could probably compare myself to, to having concussion type feelings. And I mean, it just took me a second to like, oh wow, that was that was a good pop. But uh, yeah, he, he's he's definitely a hard hitting guy. Okay, and I read, and maybe you can clarify this. Did you do you still own a nightclub? 
in in BC. Is this true? You bought a nightclub, or what's the, is what's the accuracy of this yeah. story? <laughs> yeah, that's that's completely accurate. Yeah, I have a couple different businesses on the go as well while I while I play football. And for me, I think it's very important to to do as much as you can while you're playing to uh, to get yourself out there in, in, in different business business avenues or. Um, you know, just always be prepared for when it's over, because when it's over, you know, I don't want to be stuck with, uh, you know, trying to kind of scramble and, and figure out different ways to make money and, and continue to live a certain lifestyle. So for me, yeah, I do have a nightclub. Um, I opened a restaurant uh, a little while ago. Um, you know, I have a partner com- commercial cleaning company and I have a meal prep company as well. So I do I do a few things. Well, that's awesome. So obviously, whenever you do retire, and and I, you know, that could be several years from now. But is that your? Would that be your priority to own some businesses and maybe especially? You mentioned a nightclub and a restaurant in a place where people can gather and, and relax. Would that be uh, the the road you'd want to go down? Yeah, I think just entrepreneurship in general. I, I mean, there's 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 I, I've gone in a bunch of different avenues, and and for me, it's just trying to find something that I really I'm really passionate about, really love. But for me, it's 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 been an ex- experimenting and and enjoying it, and um, I mean, in football you meet you meet so many great people and there's so many great networks and uh, you know you can you can platform yourself in so many different ways. So I mean, uh, it's just about growing and growing outside of outside this game and uh, just sharpening the sword for for life after. Right on. Well, you're a very well spoken guy, and obviously you got a great story, and you're looking to continue writing that. Andrew, fans get mad at me if I wish you all the best in your next game because that's against the Eskimos, so I hope you understand. But I'll wish you all the best in the games beyond this weekend. Fair enough? (laughs) That sounds good, buddy. Thanks so much.